please, please be seated. There's always uh, on the back where, where Jim is right now and the back table there outlines for you if you want to follow along and, and take some notes, fill in some blanks there for you as we hear the word of the Lord. It speaks to us this morning as uh, we continue with our theme of amazing grace this Lenten season. And we're, we're hearing from various people throughout scripture of how they've encountered that amazing grace of our God in their lives, as we know it as well. As we know the, the grace that washes away our, our sin and brings us into a relationship, a saving relationship with our, our Heavenly Father. After all, that's what He wants for all of us, right? He wants for all people, all humanity, to have a relationship, a saving relationship with Him, which is known through His, His Son, our Savior, Jesus. It would be around 1772 that a man named John Newton, the author of that familiar hymn, Amazing Grace, would pen these words of the first stanza, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. As John penned these words, he was reflecting backwards in his life of where he had been, where he was now, and in all of that process, how the good Lord had called him by his saving grace to now be an inheritor of the kingdom, a child of the Heavenly Father, a brother with Jesus Christ, John Newton, a fellow Christian as part of the body of Christ. Now, John wasn't literally blind as he is pending here. I was blind, but now I see. He wasn't literally blind. But what John is alluding to, as as we also allude to, is the spiritual condition, along with maybe the physical aspects of a life that we live in that has blinded us. Sometimes, in fact, we do deal with physical ailments, disabilities like blindness. But a lot of times what we find ourselves is is that there are physical issues which often describe our spiritual condition. This is the case here. I once was blind, but now I see. John, using those words in this hymn. We, We hear that in the scriptures too, right? The Apostle Paul talks about how we are enemies of Christ in our sinful nature. That physical condition in which we are uh, at odds and enemy enemies with Christ or we're dead in our sins that physical condition that describes our spiritual uh, in nature before the Lord before uh, his grace is known or or even the spirit uses that word blind that we're blind to the truths we're blind to the uh, the goodness of our heavenly father until grace through Jesus Christ is made known and by faith then we're saved so we use, physical, uh, we use physical issues at times to describe our spiritual condition. And admittedly, we, we can join in with John Newton expressing this, this blindness to the injustices of his day. This man who was seeking to make his fortune through the slave endeavors of the day. Blind to those social injustices. And ultimately, he was blind to the need of his soul. I once was blind... But now I see what I was before was terrible in the eyes of the Lord, wrecking havoc to the social injustices of people around me. And in my, the very depths of my being, my soul, I was blind. 
to him. We hear this recorded for us in the gospel this morning as uh, John relates in that first stanza of his hymn as Jesus encounters this blind man. Let's go to the word and, and hear what Jesus is doing here. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth, physically unable to see, born this way. This reading that we enter into, this, this uh, encounter that we enter into with Jesus, with this blind man, and, and, the, and the questions that his disciples ask, um, the, the response of, of the Pharisees, and, and all who were looking on and, and following along with what was going on, uh, this is one of the longest, it's the longest encounter, in fact, in the Gospels, of Jesus interacting with somebody whom he heals. It's a long encounter. It's being worked out so that as this is being worked out, not just in the, the physical healing of this blind man, but that spiritual eyes are opened as well. And so his disciples ask him as they come across this blind man, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Might seem like a silly question for us today. <laughs> not so much. It was the prevailing wisdom of the day in the Jewish nation of the people of that time that there, were some, there was something that had happened, something someone had done that caused this blindness in this man. That's not so far off from where we find ourselves in conversations sometimes, is it? Well, that earthquake happened over there to punish because they sinned. We've heard that recently, Right? This disease is not here now because these people over here sinned. And, and, and so we push it at our arm's length, wanting to try to make sense of that which seems to be an injustice in people's lives, hoping it doesn't touch us. But it does. It has. What did this man do that he was born blind? Somebody's at fault here, Jesus. Let's find out who. And, of course, this is just punishment, Lord, for their sin. If only they had, you've been told that too, right? If only they had behaved more, prayed more, gone to church more. You've heard all of those things. Those things that are, are human excuses or human, human statements that are trying to make sense of something that's bigger than us. That doesn't make sense to us, but takes the focus away from the Lord God and puts it on us where the focus isn't meant to be. We're blind after all, right? Spiritually blind, dead enemies of God. Whether it's the prevailing or even changing conventional wisdom of the day or the basic, consistent human condition of unbelief, which we deal with, we see Jesus providing the grace for both. You're trying to make sense of things that you don't understand. And while you're trying to make sense of these things you don't understand, you don't understand that you yourselves are blind to the bigger picture of what's happening, what's going on here. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. Let's just get the record straight. What you're thinking and trying to make sense of is not accurate. Neither this person or his parents sinned. But this happened. In other words, it's nobody's fault. 
There's nothing you could have done to prevent it. This is part of living in a broken, sinful world of the curse of sin over us, that these things happen. But this happened so that the works of the Lord God might, de- might be displayed in him. Oh. So that grace may abound in him. That the work of the Lord God might be known in him for the glory of the Lord God in him. So then, after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with the saliva. And he put it on the man's eyes. Who else has done that? But Jesus, as part of the Godhead in the creating of the world, taking dust and forming Adam. And from Adam would come Eve. And from Eve would come you and me in our humanity, but also as a person that our Heavenly Father longs to have a relationship with. (laughs) We're all disabled in some way. Maybe not physically blind, but we all have our Foibles, faults, disabled disabilities in our in, in our human bodies, but we we're blind, enemies, dead in our sin to the Lord God, and so here He is, so that the works of the Lord might be made known, that grace might abound, not just to this man, but that we might know it too. He takes that creating posture, and taking this saliva and mud, he puts it on the man's eyes, and the man is. Healed. He sees grace is made known, and he finds himself embraced in that grace of the activity of our saving God. This man now knows the work of the Lord, like you and me as well. The grace of our Lord that has touched us and changed us, recreated us. To be his sons and his daughters. Go, Jesus says, and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Friends, if that doesn't strike a, a, a reminder of you, a reminder for you, I should say, of a washing that you've been included in as well. Mine wasn't called the pool of Siloam, mine was called Calvary Lutheran Church <laughs> at, at their baptismal font. When a washing took place in my life, as it has for you as well. A washing for renewal and regeneration. A washing away of sin and guilt and blindness. And a a child, a person, a man, a woman, rising up to new life. And the promises that were extended there. In that pool of your washing and mine. Where a new life was made known. And grace defined and declared. So that the work of the Lord might be known in you and in me to his praise and to his glory. Amazing grace. How sweet that sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. John Newton would pen these words in reflection of his own life. I'm going to read this for you because I don't want to get the... Uh, the, the, the facts wrong. It was in 1747 
on its homeward journey aboard the Greyhound, when the ship was overtaken by an enormous storm. Newton had been reading Thomas Akempis's The Imitation of Christ and was struck by a line about the, quote, uncertain continuance of life, unquote. He also recalled the passage of Proverbs which says, Because I have called uh, and it, because I have called you and you have refused, I will laugh at your calamity. And so the word of the Lord, John's condition, and the storm led to his conversion by grace through faith. I once was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, now I see. Interestingly, though. John would go on to captain a number of slave ships, hoping as a Christian to restrain the worst excesses of the slave trade. In fact, he would say this, promoting the life of God and the soul is what he was hoping to do of both his crew and his cargo. But by 1755, he was disgusted with the slave trade. He quit. He was ordained into the Anglican ministry. And in 1764, took a parish in only, in only Buckinghamshire, and then a few years later, in 1772, would write this familiar hymn, reflecting on his life. So the man came back and was speaking to the Pharisees, who were recounting this experience, not through a hymn, but through the very ordeal of this man. And he said, "One thing I know." I was blind, but now I see. Sometimes, the Lord God chooses to work in his grace this way. Through healing, physical healing that this man occurred. And many of us find ourselves praying every day for an aspect of physical healing, either in our lives or someone else's life. And God can work in those miraculous ways. We know that, but sometimes he chooses not to. One day, though, he will work this way for us all. One day. When things are made new, and his glory is made known in its perfect holiness for a new creation. Do you want to become his disciple too, the man asked these Pharisees? And isn't this always the way the Lord chooses to act? working in his grace. As we began, so we end. It's the desire of our Heavenly Father that all people have a saving relationship with him through the grace known in his one and only Son, Jesus. Always the Father is working this way. Lord, I believe, the man said. So do we. We say, declare that. We live that, right? Because of God's saving grace. And our lives are lived in worship to him. Ah, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, how good is your saving grace to reflect with this blind man, with John Newton, where we've been and now where we are, is to the praise and glory of your working in our lives, for which we know in Jesus. For the forgiveness of sins that he's won for us in his cross and the resurrection of life that brings to him life that he gives to us. We give you praise and thanks, Lord. 
so that our lives might be lived also, declaring the wonders of your grace. I believe, and to worship you always. Bless us, Holy Spirit, in this way, that our lives might be lived, might be lived as amazing grace, children of God. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. May, my friends, the peace of God that passes our understanding. So keep our hearts and minds in this amazing grace. Celebrate the goodness of our Lord God always in who he is in our lives and who we are in him. Amen.